Hello everybody, it is Michael, back with another episode of the Under Pressure Podcast. I appreciate you guys' support on the shows, they've been doing really well, and yeah, let's get right into it. First, talking about Heat vs. Lakers, Game 6. The Los Angeles Lakers are your 2020 NBA champions. Even though this, at the end, was only a 13-point game, this was a blowout throughout. The Lakers just completely dominated and controlled this entire game uh, from the, the, the jump, basically. The defense they played was incredible they were really locked in on that end of the floor and we really saw uh, Anthony Davis at center completely just unlocking this team and really making them look like a completely dominant team they held Jimmy Butler to his worst game by far and it wasn't even that he just wasn't being aggressive the shots just weren't there for him they were playing phenomenal defense and you could tell they were really really locked in on just closing this one out and not giving the heat any hope And yeah, they just played a great game. LeBron, 28 points, 14 rebounds, 10 assists, only one turnover. He was incredible. Ended up being the finals MVP. After it looked like, after the first uh, two games, that it was going to be Anthony Davis that was going to bring home that finals MVP. But LeBron played amazing basketball down the stretch of the series and was well-deserving of that. But Anthony Davis still played pretty well. This one, he didn't have a great game. He only scored 19 points on 7 of 17 shooting. Did get 15 rebounds, though, four of them being offensive. And his impact on defense really just can't even be seen in the numbers. Even though uh, his steals and his blocks are good, you just can't see that impact that he plays on the defensive end as he's basically a one-man show for them. They have nice pieces uh, surrounding him for sure, but he's really the one that puts everything together Uh, for them and then they got guys like Rondo to step up Rondo had a massive game he played really really good in this one scoring 19 points 8 of 11 3 of 4 from 3 4 rebounds 4 assists he did have 4 turnovers with that uh, but a really good game from him and I mean it was just more that stood out on the defensive end for the Lakers they didn't even have a crazy offensive night only shot 31 percent from three Uh, but the Miami Heat just built themselves such a, a deep hole with uh, how early they got down big. Uh, like after the uh, second quarter was over, they were already down uh, 28. It was rough. Uh, they got outscored 36 to 16 in that second quarter. They only had 36 points at halftime. And most of their points came when the game was already over. And yeah, you just got to give all the credit in the world to the Lakers for playing great defense. Obviously, they're the better team. They were expected to win. This is what I expected them to win in a. Uh, six-game series where there was going to be some blowouts and there was going to be some close games. Uh, but yeah, they just played great defense and they played amazing this game. And then on the Heat side, like I said, Jimmy Butler was really just completely stopped uh, by the Lakers. He only had 12 points on 5 of 10 shooting. I mean, he still had a nice uh, all-around game with 7 rebounds and 8 assists. He, that's just kind of what he's uh, going to do, especially with uh, how he played this series. Tyler Hero definitely struggled in this one. Only 3 of 10. Uh, had 4 turnovers with 4 assists. It was just a rough game for him. Probably the worst game in the bubble for him. And the worst game we've seen in a while for sure. Uh, not even just because he shot bad. But he just looked kind of lost out there. Uh, with the defensive intensity that the Lakers had. And then uh, Bam had a good game. But it's like a lot of those points were uh, when the game was over. And... Uh, It's not like those points don't count or anything, but it's just not as impactful. But he did score 25, had 10 rebounds and 5 assists. Uh, A nice game, but you would like to see him play better earlier as he was kind of struggling a a bit early on. And yeah, it was just a really, really rough offensive night for them. 
the turnovers weren't the worst ever, but 13 to 25 assists isn't great. And, yeah, they just had a rough offensive night. They didn't even shoot the ball too bad, but they just started off way, way too slow. And their star player who they've relied uh, to carry on uh, with Jimmy Butler, who's had an incredible playoffs and was having one of the best finals I've ever seen to this point, uh, just had an absolute dud in the last game. And then no one else stepped up and had a huge game. We didn't see Duncan Robinson uh, step up like he did in the previous game. He only had 10. Jay Crowder had 12 on pretty bad shooting. Uh, Kendrick Nunn had 8 points on 8 shots. Goran Dragic uh, in his return game only had 5 points on 8 shots. So overall, I mean, it was just a really, really rough game for the Miami Heat. Uh, but you got to give the credit all to the Lakers. They had a great season. And capped it off winning this one in six games against the Miami Heat. And this was just an incredible NBA season. I got to give a ton of props to Adam Silver, all the people that were involved in the bubble to make this what it is. As a lot of us were convinced that the season was going to be over, uh, especially when we heard about all the positive tests. And then we were all a bit skeptical about the idea of the bubble. But the bubble was extremely effective. And we saw zero positive COVID-19 tests. Uh, and just overall, they handled it so, so well in making it everything it was. We saw so many incredible moments. Obviously, you would want to see the fans uh, reacting to things like the Luka buzzer beater, uh, to things like the uh, Game 5 going down to the wire. You'd love to see the Miami crowd uh, reaction to Danny Green missing a three and then Markeith Morris uh, completely throwing it out of bounds. But this was still a great season overall. It was a really fun regular season. And then the bubble was just incredible. The uh, Everybody involved did a great job. And shout out to all the players who followed the protocols and kept it safe for everyone and just made this everything that it was. Hopefully next season we can get back to normal. We can get back to having fans uh, in the crowd. And it is a bit uh, bittersweet for this season to end after it's been so much fun. And knowing that we're still a bit unsure about when the season's going to start next year. Uh, we don't know. It could start in four months. It could start in three. It could start even longer. They're going to do the best they can to try and get fans because at the end of the day, they have to make money, and that's a, a big money maker for them. So that'll be interesting for sure. But, yeah, just an incredible 2020 NBA season. Uh, next episode, I'm going to do a bit of a recap of my favorite moments. But, yeah, this was just such a great one, and everyone involved did such a great job uh, to allow us to watch the sport we all love. And yeah, it was just a great 2020 season. Next, I do want to talk about the Miami Heat's future and where they go from here, as this was obviously a super successful season uh, for them, as some people didn't even have them making the playoffs. I had them uh, being like a scrappy six seed who could have maybe had a first round upset, but they just outperformed everyone's expectations. Making the finals, no one saw this, uh, even uh, as someone who saw them beating the Bucks, because I saw the uh, flaws and what the Miami Heat could expose, but still just an incredible job by the Heat this season. And they definitely have some big decisions they need to make this offseason. Uh, everybody's well aware that they're trying to preserve uh, 2021 cap space uh, to try and get a guy like Giannis, Kawhi. Uh, that free agency is one of the best we've ever seen. And uh, Miami is a very attractive place for any star player because it has the culture great coaching, great organization, and then obviously it's Miami. It's a uh, very nice place to live, so 
I would definitely see a star player wanting to go to Miami. So they're going to have to make a big decision uh, on a guy like Goran Dragic, who's a free agent uh, this year. And he was a massive piece for this Heat team. At some points, he looked like the best player on the Heat team in the playoffs, where in series like the Celtics, he was just going off, uh, destroying it in the pick and roll. And obviously, he didn't have the impact you would have wanted in the finals, but he was injured. And it'll be interesting to see if another team is willing to give him a long-term extension. As he is 34, he's getting up there in age. And uh, it'll be interesting to see if what his uh, goals are. Because maybe, you know, for the Heat, I'm sure they would love to just give Goran Dragic a big one-year contract and then maybe sign him to a smaller contract next year and preserve their cap space. And maybe Goran Dragic would be completely happy with that. He could appreciate everything Miami's given to him and just do that, uh, do what works best for them. Or maybe another team will be willing to give him like a three-year, $45 million contract and then maybe he just wants the long-term money. He wants that guaranteed. So that's going to be really interesting. That's definitely a big decision for them to make. They also need to make a guy a decision on a guy like Jake Crowder, who was a huge piece for them in this playoffs. He is an expiring contract, and I definitely expect uh, him to get uh, a nice little extension from them because he was just really, really good. He's one of those players who just 100% fits the a thing of being a system player, but that isn't a bad thing necessarily. And he fit this Miami Heat system really well. He was a really good defender for them. Uh, his three-point shot is pretty inconsistent, but when it's on, it's a super nice weapon for any team to have. And I would definitely just try and re-sign him to maybe like a uh, three-year, $24 million uh, extension. Something like that would be a good move for them. I would try and re-sign uh, Derek Jones Jr. to a pretty small contract. Uh, just as an energy guy who can come off the bench sometime and bring some nice nice athleticism. Uh, Kendrick Nunn and Duncan Robinson both have non-guaranteed contracts. Obviously, the Heat are going to want to get those for sure because they were big pieces for them, uh, even though Kendrick Nunn's uh, future is definitely a bit iffy. And, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't expect really any big moves for this offseason. I just expect them to run it back, hope for it internal improvement hope guys like bam at a bio can show that shooting potential that has been talked about a lot hope guys like tyler hero uh, can really start breaking out and maybe become a starter for this team maybe become like a 16 and a half point score four rebound four assist type guy uh, we saw a ton of flashes from him in the playoffs and i'm sure he's uh, just going to keep getting better and yeah you just hope uh, jimmy butler doesn't really take any step back and you just want to run it back uh, still try and be one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference. It's going to be a tough Eastern Conference next year for sure. The Bucks could make a move uh, for getting a guy like Chris Fall, which I think would boost them up huge. I think the Celtics are going to be still great next year. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, uh, it's only up from here for them, and they're just going to keep getting better. Uh, hopefully Kemba Walker can be more consistent, and hopefully they can trade for that big man that uh, was really hurting them. But, yeah, they'll definitely be up there. I think they'll give a uh, of the Heat a run for their money. The Brooklyn Nets are a super interesting team as they have the potential to trade for a third star while already having Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Uh, they're very contingent on health, but if they're healthy, they have a ton of talent, so I wouldn't be surprised if they're one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference. We could see the 76ers have a bounce-back season with a new coach and just with a fresh start. Maybe they make some moves, try and get a guy like Buddy Heel for uh, Al Horford. So it's going to be a tough Eastern Conference for sure, but I could still see the Heat being up there. They wouldn't necessarily be 100% my favorite right now. Obviously, we'll have to see what 
happens in the offseason, what trades are happening. Uh, maybe if the Raptors decide to blow it up and get rid of guys like uh, Fred Van Vliet, Marcus Saul, and Serge Ibaka, or if they're going to run it back, if the Celtics can trade for that big man, if the Bucks can trade for a guy like Chris Paul. There's just so many moves that can be made this offseason. So we're definitely going to have to see, but I expect the Heat to be one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference yet again. And then the 2021 offseason is where they really take advantage of everything. They go all in, get a star. I think a guy like Kawhi Leonard, if the uh, Clippers fail yet again this season, I think a guy like Kawhi Leonard would be so beautiful in Miami. Uh, and it kind of have a Clippers feel, but Paul, uh, Paul George is worse than Jimmy Butler, and it's really not even close. Uh, and then they would have a third star in Bam Adebayo, have a rising young guy in Tyler Hero who is, uh, who showed in his rookie season that he's not afraid of the moment at all. So, yeah, I think the 2021 offseason, uh, they could get a guy like Kawhi Leonard, like Giannis, even though I don't necessarily like the Giannis fit, especially just with Jimmy Butler not really being a shooter. And even though Bam has the potential, until I really see him actually taking jump shots, uh, that's all it is for now, potential. Uh, so they definitely have moves they can make. The Victor Aldipo has been something uh, that has been rumored for a while. Maybe instead of going for a star like Kawhi Leonard, they go for uh, a lower-tier guy like Victor Aldipo, as long as he's healthy, obviously, for a bit of a smaller contract and maybe sign some nice other role players. But no matter what, I expect them to get a star in that offseason because there's going to be so many available. And who doesn't want to go to Miami in the situation they're in right now? I expect them to extend Bam Adebayo uh, to a, a pretty big contract, definitely a max, because he had an incredible season uh, this year. Proved he's one of the best centers in the entire league. So versatile on the defensive end, while also uh, showing some really nice flashes on the offense. And if that shooting starts to come, then it's going to be really, really scary for the league. Hopefully they can re-sign Goran Dragic, uh, Jay Crowder. I would let go of guys like uh, Solomon Till, Myers Leonard, unless you could get them on pretty small contracts. But yeah, this uh, Heat team is in that really, really unique but amazing situation where you have your star player and you have really nice young guys with cap flexibility in the future to get a star, with having one of the best coaches, with having one of the best organizations, and being in one of the biggest markets. So the Heat are perfectly fine. And yeah, they're going to be one of the best teams in the league for years to come. And I expect them to be a championship contender after they get that true number uh, one guy next to Jimmy Butler in the 2021 offseason. But yeah, great season from the Heat. Got to give them all the props in the world for really outperforming everyone's expectations this year. Next, I'm going to talk about the Lakers future. Now, obviously, they're champions. Uh, they really don't have much to think about this offseason. It's a lot of just small moves for them to make. Resigning a guy like Dwight Howard. If Rondo uh, declines his player option, resigning a guy like Rondo. I think that's two obvious moves for them. And obviously, the uh, Anthony Davis situation is pretty interesting. Uh, just because we have no clue what the contracts are going to be like this offseason. So even though we kind of all expected Anthony Davis to turn down his player option and then uh, get a max contract extension from the Lakers, I actually wouldn't be surprised at this point just with all the unknown of how much money uh, teams are going to have this offseason. If Anthony Davis just accepts that player option and waits till next offseason uh, to make his decision, especially because LeBron would have the opportunity to leave the Lakers at that point, 
So I definitely think uh, that's something that they need to keep their eye on. KCP also has a player option. If he declines that, which I don't think he will because it's about $8.5 million. I think that's a good amount for KCP. Uh, but if he does decline it, definitely re-sign him. He had a really good playoff run. Uh, and even though he's a guy who in, early in the season got criticized a ton by these Lakers fans, uh, he was actually really good for them in the playoffs, was a key piece for them, so definitely got to re-sign him. Definitely got to re-sign Dwight and Rondo as uh, they were two key pieces. Uh, whether they were starting or coming off the bench, I would try and get uh, Anthony Davis to be a full-time center because I just think that's his best role by far and then have uh, Dwight and uh, McGee basically split the minutes off the bench at center at the center position. And then Rondo, who, even though he's probably going to suck in the, in the regular season again, because that's just kind of what Rondo does, he basically always turns it up in the playoffs. So you can expect that from him for sure. And really the only moves I would try and do for the Lakers, to be honest, is trying to trade for a guy like Derrick Rose. Uh, if they were maybe all in on Kyle Kuzma, trade Kyle Kuzma, and some other contract like Quinn Cook or something, and maybe a pick. Uh, if the Pistons are willing to sell low on Derrick Rose, that would be an interesting move for them. I think uh, that would bring them a lot of stuff that was a big flaw for them, which is just bench scoring, bench production as a whole. And maybe just try and get some nice guys in the second round. This draft, while not being top-heavy, is pretty deep and has a lot of players... Uh, players that the Lakers could use it just has a lot of guys who really know how to shoot the ball well uh, maybe try and get some four-year guys who are developed and already ready to be an impactful player in the NBA as we've seen uh, those type of guys be super effective and you can get those guys in the second round you can get guys like Jalen Brunson uh, those type of guys who are older and may not have as high of a ceiling, but already have a higher floor and impact winning basketball right away. If you can get a couple guys like those in the second round, maybe take some uh, a chance on some undrafted free agents and try and develop them, put them in the G League. Hope a guy like Taylor Horton Tucker, who they drafted in the second round uh, next year, will be good. That uh, that could be a nice piece for them, as he did show some uh, some signs when he did play, and he's a guy that a lot of Lakers fans do like. Maybe you re-sign a guy like Markeith Morris just to another small one-year contract. Uh, maybe re-sign a guy like Jared Dudley just because he's a really nice locker room piece. Uh, but the Lakers are in a perfect situation, have two top five players in the NBA, in LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Uh, LeBron doesn't look like he's going to take a step back anytime soon. And Anthony Davis, it's really uh, it's really just up from here, to be, to be honest. I expect him to just continue to get better, which is a scary sight, as he's already one of the best players in the league. And maybe we see that three-point shot, which showed a lot of potential in the playoffs, continue to come more... Uh, become more consistent and that mid-range shot which is basically unstoppable become more consistent so yeah I mean the Lakers are in a perfect situation right now uh, they are gonna be my championship favorite unless we see some crazy move that I just completely don't expect they are my championship favorite going into the next season I doubted them early in the season but they proved me wrong uh, LeBron still uh, proved that he is the best player in the in the world uh, I thought it was Kawhi Leonard. I didn't think that was a crazy opinion. But LeBron proved uh, that this is his league. Anthony Davis proved that he is a top five player uh, after I had had him at like seven. KCP proved that he can be a really nice role player. They're going to get Avery Bradley back, which is really nice for them. As even though his offense is super inconsistent, 
Uh, he's a really nice defensive guy that can just get under people's skin. He's not like he's not like Pat Bev as far as like the antics and the talking, but he kind of has the same impact. Where Avery Bradley's the type of guy where he's going to guard you full court. He's going to uh, be on a guy like James Harden full court and make it tough for him to even dribble up the court. So that's a nice piece for them uh, to get back. And then you just hope they can re-sign the role players to some nice small contracts and maybe get a guy in the draft, a guy like a Jalen Brunson type of player. Uh, there's a lot of just shooters in this draft that the Lakers could use because that's still a weakness for them. Even with them winning this uh, championship, this team is not perfect. They can still get better, but they're going to be a team that's going to be a championship favorite for most people next year with amazing players, with, I think, a pretty solid coach. Uh, Frank Vogel definitely proved me wrong because uh, we really saw, even though I don't think his offense is great, I still don't really believe in his offense too much. His defense is really good. And, yeah, a great season from the Lakers, and they really just don't need to be worried at all going into next year. This this year went as well as you could possibly uh, have it. They won the 2020 NBA championship, and I think they could make some moves this offseason, but even if they basically kept the same exact roster, uh, they'd be most teams, most people's championship favorites. So, yeah. Uh, lastly, we're going to talk about NFL Week 5. Uh, first, I want to hit on Panthers versus Falcons now. The Falcons are now 0-5. They had fired their uh, head coach and their GM, which I think is 100% the right move to make as Dan Quinn just does not know how to hold leads at all. He's a defensive coach, and their defense has been absolutely trash for years now. Their offense isn't the same, and it seems like they deal with injuries every single year. So I think it's time for big moves in Atlanta. I think it's time to trade a guy like Julio Jones, uh, get as much value as you can for him, as he is an aging player who has dealt with injuries these past couple years. And I know that's like your franchise guy, your best player. And that's a tough move to make. That's a tough pill to swallow. But at this point, I think it's time for big moves to happen. I would keep a guy like Calvin Ridley because he is a younger player uh, on a smaller contract. I would keep guys like Deion Jones because he's young, uh, Grady Jarrett. And uh, hopefully you guys can have a big draft this year because I think it may be time to replace a guy like Matt Ryan too as he's been pretty lackluster this year with really good offensive weapons. Uh, he is some of the best receivers in the NFL, and uh, even though Todd Gurley hasn't been super consistent yet, he's had some really good flashes and had some good games. Like in this one, where he had 14 carries for 121 yards and a touchdown. Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones make one of the best, if not the best, receiver tandem in the whole league. Calvin Ridley had eight receptions for 136 yards this game, but Matt Ryan is just a player who is good, but I just don't think is good enough and with the age he's at I think it's time to try and uh, draft a young quarterback even if it's maybe later in the first round uh, a guy like Trey Lance could be an interesting pick for them uh, maybe let him develop behind Matt Ryan for a year and then uh, he would have good weapons uh, to start his career off so that'd be an interesting move for them but I just think there needs to be big change in this organization because they've been a consistent underperformer. But literally, other than them making uh, the Super Bowl, where we all know what happened there, they're blowing the 28-3 lead, they've been consistent underperformers every single year. And it's, uh, it's uh, continuing to happen this year. They continually deal with injuries. They 
uh, continually just don't look as good as you expect. And them losing to a Panthers team who, even even though they're three and two, they haven't faced the best competition. They beat a Chargers team who is solid, uh, but that was basically a 50-50 game. Uh, they beat the Cardinals, which was an impressive win. Uh, but this Panthers team isn't really good. Like, and they lost to them, and it's just a bad, bad look for the Falcons. They are zero and five looking like one of the worst teams in the NFL, even though they have way more talent than any other team who is in the same situation than them. They just continually underperformed. And especially in the NFL, which it's not like the NBA. The NBA, I think coaches get blamed a lot too much because at the end of the day, it's like uh, the coaches can do uh, their certain thing, but at the end of the day, the players have to uh, go out there and perform. But the NFL is such a coach-heavy league where coaches can really be the difference. And we've seen that for years and years now, where teams like the Patriots, who even though they're talented teams every year, they may not necessarily be the most talented, but with a guy like Bill Belichick, you can consistently rely on the Patriots being good. And we've seen the Falcons again and again blow big leads because they do not know how to handle the clock at all. And their defense, even though... They're, they're supposed to be a defensive-minded coach. Their defense has been terrible. Uh, their secondary this year is one of the worst in the NFL and just gets tore apart every game. Like, Teddy Bridgewater had 313 yards and two touchdowns this game. Mike Davis ran all over them, 16 carries, 89 yards. Uh, Robbie Anderson had a huge game with eight receptions and 112 yards. DJ Moore, 93 yards and a touchdown. Like, this team is just this team is just bad yet again and it just seems like every year we expect them to be at least a solid team i didn't even expect them to make the playoffs this year but i expected them to be like seven and nine or something and now they're the worst team in the division when the panthers are in the division and they they just lost to the panthers this is a really bad situation and they need big change immediately so i think firing the coach firing the gm after such a horrid start was the correct move for this team and I just think more moves need to happen. I think it's time to try and get rid of um, most of your old players and get as much value as you can. Because even though Julio Jones is an older player, with how talented he is, he's the most talented receiver in the NFL. And in my opinion, it's not really even that close. I think any team would be willing to give up a pretty decent package for him. So I think he might need to be out the door, even though that's, like I said, a tough pill to swallow with how great he is. Uh, the Falcons just disappoint yet again and yeah really really tough for uh, them and their fans to continually deal with this next game I want to talk about is a very interesting one where the Raiders ended up upsetting the Chiefs Uh, this was a shocking one even though the Raiders are a good team this isn't like the most shocking uh, upset of the season this was still a surprising one as the Chiefs before this looked unstoppable uh, obviously, I didn't really take much away from the Chiefs versus Patriots game with Cam Newton not being there. Uh, but other than that, the Chiefs looked amazing. And they didn't look great in that game either. So maybe they're starting to slow down a bit, as they definitely didn't look good in this one. Their defense got tore apart. Derek Carr had a really, really good game with 347 yards, three touchdowns. Did have an interception in there. And then Josh Jacobs, even though he didn't average the most yards, he was still good this game. 77 yards and two touchdowns. Hen- Henry Ruggs had two receptions for 118 yards and a touchdown. He had that massive reception over top 
where it was a really good throw by Derek Carr. And then we just saw that speed with him being one of the fastest players in the entire NFL. We just saw him outrun this Chiefs defense. Uh, Darren Waller was tearing the Chiefs apart. He only had five receptions for 48 yards and a touchdown. But you could just see his impact as they always have to be super focused on him. And, yeah, I mean, the Raiders played a really, really good game. Uh, the defense didn't look perfect, especially, you know, this Chiefs team is so talented offensively. But this was just really a high-scoring offensive battle. And surprisingly, Derek Carr and this Raiders offense was able to outduel Patrick Mahomes. And I've been really impressed by the Raiders so far. They uh, kept it in the game with the Bills. They lost to the Patriots uh, pretty handedly. But other than that, they've looked good this whole season. They they've uh, Their only two losses were to two really good teams, two, I would say, top uh, seven-ish teams in the NFL. And then they beat the team that I, even after this game, still think is the best team in the NFL. So you got to be super happy with how their season has gone uh, so far, they've looked really good, and they've definitely taken a big step. Uh, Derek Carr's have had a really good season so far after looking like a guy that the Raiders could have looked to replace. Uh, Henry Ruggs has looked good so far, and uh, that pick, pick has looked uh, very smart for them. Josh Jacobs is having another massive season. Darren Waller's having a great season, really breaking out. Even though he had a good season last year, uh, it's just even better this year. And uh, the defense could definitely use some work. That's still an issue. Uh, but as long as this high-power offense keeps doing their thing, then they're going to keep being successful. And I think they could be a team that could be a wild-card-type team. Uh, definitely not a lock for the playoffs by any means, uh, but a team that could be competitive. And every time you're going to face the Las Vegas Raiders, it's going to be a tough battle. But yeah, really nice uh, performance for them. And then on the Chiefs side, Patrick Mahomes just didn't look like himself this game. 22 for uh, for 43, 340 yards, two touchdowns. And that interception he had was an ugly one. That was just a terrible throw. Uh, just, again, not like Patrick Mahomes at all. And he, even though they did end up scoring 32, uh, with how bad their defense played, we really needed to see a crazy game from Mahomes, and we just didn't see that at all. And it wasn't like the running game was really much either. Uh, he did have a, a rushing touchdown, uh, too, but Clyde Edwards-Hilaire only had 10 carries for 40 yards because with uh, their defense being so bad and them getting in a bit of a deficit, they kind of had to keep throwing the ball. I mean, we did see big plays. We saw some really nice throws to Tyree Kill. He had three receptions for 78 yards. Uh, Travis Kelsey is a, is a mismatch nightmare against any team he's going against. He had eight receptions for 108 yards and a touchdown. He's just so incredible uh, as a receiver at the tight end position. Uh, but like I said, it was really their defense that was super disappointing. They just kept getting burnt over the top. They were getting burnt in every single situation they were getting run on. And this is a bit of a scary game for them. Obviously, I still expect them to win the championship. They've been uh, my favorite for a long time now. They've basically been my favorite since last season ended. Uh, but this is something that we've constantly talked about with this team is that they're a team that their defense is far from perfect. They're very imperfect, in fact. And we saw that big issue. But I just think we saw overall a really good performance by the Raiders and I expect the Chiefs to bounce back and look better, look more like themselves for sure. Next game I want to talk about is a really good one. This one was Eagles versus Steelers. 
The Steelers have proven to be one of the best teams in the NFL, and they performed great in this one. Uh, I mean, their defense did not look the best, but their offense was super high-powered in this one. Ben Roethlisberger is having a great season. Uh, after that big shoulder, uh, the big elbow injury that he had, uh, where the Steelers were still able to compete with really bad quarterback play, which just showed how well-rounded their team was, how good the coaching was. But Ben Roethlisberger had 239 yards, three touchdowns, zero interceptions this game. He was just really good in this one. The running game definitely wasn't super effective with James Conner having a pretty bad performance, only averaging 2.9 on the ground. But he did get a touchdown. And the big standout from this game was Chase Claypool. He's looked really good to start the season so far, even though... Uh, I was a bit worried when they drafted him because he was a player uh, that even though you could see the clear talent just with the physicality with him being 6'4", uh, 238 pounds, he's a mismatch nightmare, but he really doesn't have that much explosiveness, and even though he's having a good season so far, it's still not like he's really beating uh, many players that easily, but it's more just him being so big and so good at getting contested catches. He is one of the best jump ball receivers in the league already, and he's a rookie. He had four touchdowns in this one, three receiving touchdowns, one rushing touchdowns, had 116 yards overall, and he's just a massive deep threat for this team, as Ben Roethlisberger can really just trust him in any situation to go up and get the ball, and that's a great dynamic for them. He's such a good player that they can just throw the ball to in the red zone, and it really opens things up for guys like Juju Smith-Schuster, who didn't have a great one in this one, but it's had a pretty good season so far, and it really just helps Big Ben to always uh, be able to have that security blanket to be able to make really hard contested catches that most players simply can't, but with his physicality, with him basically being built like a tight end, uh, it's a, a really nice pick for them, and he's just looked so, so good this uh, so far this season. And, I mean, the defense uh, didn't look perfect uh, by far. They did allow 29 points to an Eagles team who hasn't looked great so far. Uh, but Stevie Nelson did have two interceptions in this one. Uh, that was nice to see. And uh, their defense just hasn't looked as good as I expected it to, to be completely honest. Mika Fitzpatrick, after having a super electric season last year where he looked like one of the best uh, defensive players in the NFL as a whole, really hasn't had that same impact so far this season. And uh, TJ Watt has still been really good. Uh, he's just one of the best pass rushers in the whole league. Uh, just always putting pressure on the quarterback, uh, getting sacks. He's incredible. And this uh, the pass rush as a whole is still pretty good, but I just want to see their secondary be better, and I, I just want to see make a Fitzpatrick uh, step up for sure. But overall, this Steelers team is 4-0, looked like one of the best teams in the entire NFL. I mean, I definitely like them uh, to see them really face some tough competition as the competition they face so far has been pretty embarrassing and it's been pretty easy, uh, but I do think they can compete with almost any team in the NFL. They're a scary, scary team so far. And yeah, they've just looked really good, even though, like I said, I want to see them face some tougher competition. I love to see them uh, play the Patriots, play a team like the Titans. Just uh, That's where I think we're really going to see what this team is made of. But I think they're a good team. And I mean, on the Eagles side, Carson Wentz, he just hasn't looked the same this year, simple enough. Uh, he had 258 yards, two touchdowns, did have two interceptions in this one. Uh, and like I said, he just hasn't looked the same this year. After him having a really good season with a huge lack of weapons last year, with 
uh, him having a bit more weapons with Miles Sanders proving he's one of the better running backs in the NFL. He's been going off this season so far. He had 11 carries for 80 yards and two touchdowns in this one. He's been so, so good. Even with those weapons being a bit better, even though they're not perfect, they still have to deal with a ton of injuries. As I guess that's just uh, something that is going to be with the Eagles for years to come now because every every season it seems like uh, they're dealing with like five injuries a game. But yeah, I just have to see Carson Wentz be better. It's really as simple as that. He's been so disappointing so far this season. And like I said, he has a good running game too. Miles Sanders is really, really good. Uh, but he just ma- has made a lot of boneheaded mistakes, has made a lot of throws that just don't seem like him. Because just as far as talent, he's one of the most talented quarterbacks in the whole league. He's up there with like a Patrick Mahomes type of player with just pure talent. But he's got to be better mentally for sure. And that's been the big thing holding him back so far this season is the mental mistakes. But yeah, uh, the Eagles... They're one three and one, and it looks like they're still gonna win their division. So, you they really don't have to be that good to win the division. To be completely honest, uh, they can be six nine and one and win the division. They could be, they honestly might be five ten and one and win the division at this point with how bad this division is. Uh, but yeah, the Eagles just aren't in a great position. They're gonna make the playoffs probably, but even when they they do make the playoffs, they're obviously not going anywhere. They're gonna lose to basically whoever face whoever they face because they're not a good team. And, I mean, uh, Travis Fulgham did have a huge game in this one with him having 10 receptions, 152 yards, and a touchdown. He went off. Uh, but Zach Ertz, who's been uh, Carson Wentz's security blanket, one reception, six yards, uh, he did have six targets. So that was, that was definitely just weird to see because he's a player who's super consistent. And this defense got tore apart by Big Ben, man. This defense... Uh, they got basically no pressure on the quarterback. They only got one sack this game, uh, and they just gave Big Ben way too much time. Uh, like I said, got tore apart by Big Ben. Chase Claypool went off on them, and yeah, they just they just don't look like a very good team. This division may be the worst we've ever seen. We thought it was the worst we've ever seen this year, uh, last year, but it's even worse now. Next, I want to touch on Dolphins versus 49ers. This was... A very, very surprising one as the Dolphins blew out the 49ers. And now the 49ers fall to 2-3, and three, uh, being the third best record in the division. And obviously, they've had to deal with a lot of injuries. Uh, we, we all know that. Their defensive line, which was by far the best part of their team last year, is super hurt. And Jimmy G was down for a couple games. But this loss was just inexcusable. Jimmy G played terrible in this game 7 of 17 77 yards and two interceptions he even got benched by uh, for cj beth bethard he was just really bad uh, there's no way around it he was terrible this game and he's got to be better because this team is a hundred percent in danger of not making the playoffs after making the super bowl which is a very, very bad look for them. And like I said, Jimmy G just looked terrible in this one. Uh, you, He may be affected by his injury. Uh, I'm not doubting that necessarily, but still, this was just a whole nother level of bad. And I mean, it's not even like the running game was that bad, but they really just couldn't even run the football that much because they got down, so, they got down early and they got down big. Uh, they just... 
their offense was so bad. Like, let's look, punt, turnover on downs, punt. Uh, they did eventually get a touchdown, but punt, interception, interception, uh, and then got another touchdown. But they got down 30-7 to at one point. Like, they just looked terrible. And then it's not even like the defense really did anything. They only got one sack. Like I said, the that defensive line is just super hit. And, yeah, they had to punt the ball a lot. They really just didn't do anything anything out there cj bethard had a fumble which they couldn't recover they looked atrocious this game and like i said they are in danger of not making the playoffs and it's looking like right now especially with how good that division is the rams have looked incredible the seahawks have looked really good and then even though the cardinals have been a bit inconsistent they've looked better than the 49ers still i mean on the dolphin side like i said Ryan Fitzpatrick, he tore them apart. 350 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, the running game was pretty good. Preston Williams, he's a player who I think everyone should look out for. One of the most underrated young receivers in the NFL. Was an undrafted player, but is super talented. Uh, has great physicality, great athleticism, and is working on his technique. Uh, but he had a phenomenal game in this one. Four receptions, 106 yards, and a touchdown. Mike Kosicki, who's having a huge season so far for them at tight end, who I think is pretty underrated too, even though he's getting more respect for sure this season. I think he's still going a bit under the radar. He had five receptions for 91 yards. Devontae Parker, uh, who's had a pretty good season so far, and as long as he's healthy, he's one of the better receivers in the NFL. He had two receptions for 50 yards and a touchdown. I mean, this offense just looked incredible. Incredible. They looked unstoppable this game. And then they held them pretty well on defense. Bobby McCain and Xavier uh, Howard both got an interception. Uh, they got some pass deflection in there. Like, they got uh, to the quarterback a little bit. They were just amazing this game. And I like the direction this Dolphins team is going in for sure. I've talked about this multiple times, but it's just like... Uh, they're not great right now, but I think they can be good in the future, and I really like their coaching staff, and I like a lot of young players on their team. I really like Devontae Parker, Preston Williams, Mike Kosicki, Tua Tungavailoa. Uh, they just have a lot of nice players on that roster, uh, and I think they just need to get a bit better as a well-rounded team, but they're a team that you can't sleep on, and the 49ers definitely showed that with how bad they got beaten. Next, we're going to talk about Colts versus Browns. The Browns are 4-1. and one. They just truly look like a good team because this Colts team is a very, very solid one. And the Browns were still able to win uh, as they beat them 32-23. to 23. Uh, Baker Mayfield, even though he's not perfect, he's looked pretty decent this season. He did have two interceptions, but they can always rely on this running game they did not have nick chubb in this one and still the running game was fantastic uh they're just so so good i think their play calling is great they really uh, make it just easy for the running backs to get open holes and then uh, that allows baker mayfield to do play action and throw like intermediate passes which is where he's the best and then occasionally he can take the top uh, off of the defense and uh, throw to a guy like odell and, yeah, this offense just looks really good. Like I said, did have two interceptions. Uh, he's not perfect by far. He's not one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Uh, but as long as they keep relying on the running game, as long as the defense keeps looking uh, decent and he has all the weapons in the world around him, I think this Browns team is going to be a playoff team. Like I said, they're 4-1. and one. 
they've looked like one of the better teams in the whole NFL and have beat some decent teams. So, yeah, I definitely got to give a ton of credit to the Browns. It's, it's just so happy. It just makes me so happy to see this Browns team actually be good as they've just struggled for so, so long. And it's always just so exciting seeing a team like this finally be good. And, yeah, I love seeing this. Um, Baker Mayfield's having a much better season. Jarvis Landry had a good game in this one. Odell was good. Austin Hooper's been a great pickup for the Browns. Kareem Hunt has went off this season so far. Uh, when Nick Chubb comes back, this this offense is just going to be even more deadly. The defense has looked pretty decent. They had two interceptions in this one. Uh, and I just love watching this Browns team. Miles Garrett has looked like the defensive player of the year so far. He had another sack and a tackle for loss in this one. He's been absolutely incredible. After getting the massive five-year, $125 million extension, he's proving that he's worth every penny of that with being one of the best pass rushers in the league. And I just love watching this Browns team. They're super fun to watch. On the Colts side, Phillip Rivers... Uh, had a very Philip Rivers game, 243 yards, zero touchdowns, two interceptions. Even though I do like Philip Rivers, I love the uh, competitiveness that he brings to every game. He just brings that competitive fire with the way he trash talks everyone. He, a lot of the time, makes some of the most boneheaded decisions I've ever seen. Like, some of those interceptions, especially the last one, was terrible. Just an absolutely terrible throw. And the receiver was just not open, bad throw, uh, easy interception for the Browns to close out the game. So Phillip Rivers is a pretty inconsistent player. Some weeks he's going to look like one of the better quarterbacks in the league, and some weeks he's going to look like this where he makes some of the just most boneheaded decisions ever. And, I mean, the running game, uh, Jonathan Taylor, as a rookie, has started off uh, looking pretty good this season. He averaged 4.8 on the ground, had a touchdown. He's just looked very solid. T.Y. Hillen had his first uh, pretty decent game after having a bit of a slow start to the season, for sure. He had six receptions for 69 yards in this one. Uh, but overall, the offense just wasn't really great in this one, to be honest. Uh, they just didn't have that same spark. They are dealing with some injuries at the running back position. Uh but you still got to see him be better. You still got to see uh, Philip Rivers just make better decisions and not make big mistakes, uh, especially at the end of the game like that. And then, I mean, the defense didn't look great in this one, really didn't get any pressure on Baker Mayfield at all. Uh, did get two interceptions, which was nice to see, but they got to get more pressure on the quarterback for sure, and they can't get run all over they, uh, like they did in this one. Uh, the biggest blunder for sure was the third and nine where the Browns ran the ball and they got like 20 yards off it. That was a really, really bad play in a key situation for them. You just can't allow that to happen at all. But I still think this Colts team is a very solid team. I think they're going to make the playoffs probably as a wild card. But yeah, they're just a nice uh, team, a team that's a nine and seven, ten and six type of team. Next, I want to talk about Giants versus Cowboys. Now, obviously, we saw Dak Prescott go down with that gruesome injury. Looked like the Gordon Hayward injury with him. Uh, officially, I think it was dislocating his ankle. And just prayers up to him. That was a really, really bad injury. And it's obviously sad to see uh, any player go down, but especially a guy like Dak Prescott, who, for, from all accounts, off the field, uh, seems like a great guy. He's uh, talked a lot about mental health and... Uh, just the importance of that he just seems like such a good guy off the field and you could really see that with the response from everybody in the nfl everybody's just hoping uh 
the best for him and that he has a speedy recovery. That's obviously a gruesome injury. It's really, really tough to see. And we saw with Gordon Hayward, that's an injury that's going to take a while for him to recover. And this is really bad timing for him as this is going to be a season-ending injury uh, in a contract year for him. So that's really, really tough. But uh, even though I may be critical of him on the field as uh, he's a player who I think has been a little overrated and has been a little inconsistent, uh, off the field, all the props to him in the world. He seems like a great just stand-up guy off the field, so you never want to see that happen. Uh, luckily, though, for the Cowboys, they do have a serviceable, ba- uh, serviceable backup in Andy Dolan, who looked pretty good in this game. 9 for 11, 111 yards. And even though he's not a guy you'd ever want to be the franchise quarterback, it was definitely a smart move for the Cowboys to get a guy like Andy Dolan with the current situation with uh, Dak Prescott being injured. Andy Dolan is going to be a very, very serviceable quarterback. And with the weapons around him, he's going to be solid enough where as long as the defense maybe looks even a little bit better, they can still be a decent enough team. They could still be a team that competes with uh, the Eagles for making the playoffs. Uh, And, as long as the running game is better, for sure. With uh, Ezekiel Elliott, who struggled a lot this season, he looked way better in this game. He had 91 yards, two touchdowns, and 19 carries. If he keeps looking like that, then this Cowboys team could still be solid. Uh, they did barely beat the Giants, which is not a good look at all, as the Giants are one of the worst teams, maybe if not the worst team in the NFL. They are 0-5. Uh, but as long as... Uh, the weapons on the offense do stay healthy, they can be fine. Andy Dolan is a fine enough quarterback for them to be uh, a decent team still. With C.D. Lamb uh, having an insane rookie season so far, he's already proven to be uh, one on the upper echelon of receivers in the NFL. He had eight receptions, 124 yards. Uh, Michael Gallup is a very good uh, receiver too, four receptions, 74 yards. Uh 73 even though amari cooper didn't have a big game in this one he's always a player that the defense is going to keep uh, have to keep their eyes on as he's an elite a truly elite receiver in the nfl and then as long like i said as the running game can be better as long as ezekiel elliott can prove that he's one of the better running backs in the league and that he's in that discussion then this cowboys team is going to be fine uh they're not going to be great as they weren't with Dak prescott and they're definitely not going to be without uh, this defense is still terrible. They allowed 34 points to the Giants without Saquon Barkley. Like, they're bad, bad. Uh, but, you know, uh, they can still be a team that makes the playoffs in the worst division in NFL history. So, I guess. But uh, moving on to the Giants side, Daniel Jones had a cool game in this one. Definitely had some mistakes where he could have easily thrown an interception. Uh, but he had twenty-two yard, uh, 222 yards and... Uh, zero touchdowns, zero interceptions, relied a bit more in the running game in this one. Uh, Devontae Freeman, who uh, was a player they recently signed, looked decent in this one, 60 yards and a touchdown. Evan Ingram also had a, a touchdown on the ground. And Darius Slayton continues to be a massive piece for this uh, uh, Giants team. He has been incredible this season. He was incredible last season. Uh, he's proven to be one of the best receivers in the NFL. With pretty poor quarterback play, he's still been amazing. He had an amazing catch where Dan, uh, Daniel Jones threw a great ball to him, and he just went up and got it. Really nice play from him uh, there. Golden Tate had a decent game, four receptions for 42 yards. 
Um, I'd like to see Evan Ingram be better for sure, as he's so athletic, but he's just not great at catching the ball and is just not nearly as good at as good at the technical uh, parts of being a tight end as you'd want him to be, even with that athleticism. Daniel Jones did fumble, which is still an issue uh, for sure. And Kyle Fackrell did have an interception, uh, which was returned. That was a nice play from him. Uh, he returned that 46 yards. And even though this Cowboys team isn't good, it was still nice to see the Giants uh, compete with them. And it's a good sign of things to come. Hopefully Daniel Jones can continue to look solid uh, hopefully he looks be- uh, looks better too. And then Darius Slayton, he's going to continue to go off for the Giants team, be one of the better receivers in the NFL, and just still look really, really good. So yeah, uh, a decent performance by the Giants, even though they're a bad team, the worst team, uh, one of the worst teams in the NFL. So you don't really expect much from them. Just any signs of them being good is an improvement, to be honest. Uh, next and the last game we're going to talk about is Seahawks versus Vikings. The Seahawks are 5-0. and They did win a nail-biter in this one. The offense in the first half was pretty atrocious, to be honest. Uh, we've seen this offense be so high-powered the entire year. Russell Wilson uh, looked like an, uh, the, M- the clear MVP so far. Uh, but in the first half, they had like a total of about 65 yards of total offense. It was just a bad, bad look for them. Uh, but in the second half, they definitely turned it up. Uh, right out of the gates in the third quarter, they scored 21 points. They were way better in this in that third quarter. And Russell Wilson overall didn't have a great game at all uh, with only 217 yards, three touchdowns, and an interception. But he did rush for f- uh, 58 yards on the ground. And Chris Carson did have uh, 52 yards and a touchdown. Uh, and then DK Metcalf has completely just gone off this season. He had a really uh, nice game in this one. 93 yards, two touchdowns. He had the touchdown late in game uh, to secure the win for the Seahawks. And other than that fumble, he's basically had a perfect year so far. He's looked like one of the best receivers in the NFL. And him and Tyler Lockett make up one of the best uh, receiving tandems in the entire NFL and just make this offense so high-powered, which was why it was just so weird to see them uh, be so bad in the first half because this offense is so talented. And, yeah, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, great uh, receivers for Russell Wilson, and he's always going to hit them in the right spot. Uh, and the defense the defense just simply isn't very good uh, this year at all. But K.J. Wright did have a pretty big interception in this one uh, as the Vikings were marching down the field a bit. But he stopped that, got an interception. That was nice to see. Uh, and they did get uh, three sacks in this one, which you obviously uh, like as much pressure as you can get on the quarterback. And even though this Vikings team isn't great, they're a team that can compete. So... It was good to see the Seahawks win this game. Even though it was a close one, they had to deal with some adversary uh, with them struggling so much in the first half, but it was good to see them in the second half. And uh, on the Vikings side, Kirk Cousins, uh, he he's just been pretty bad this year, to be totally honest. He only has one more touchdown than he does interceptions. He had 249 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception in this one. Honestly, I think it's time, just like for the Falcons, I think it's time for them to move on from Kirk Cousins. I think they need to go in, uh, in a youth direction, get a young quarterback, maybe even if they're going to sit behind Kirk Cousins for a year. With how bad they're playing this year, I think it's just time to move on. Uh, but the running game for the Vikings is always going to be good because 
uh, Dalvin Cook uh, is just so, so talented. He did get injured, which is a huge, huge hit to uh, this team for sure. But when he's healthy, he's by far and easily one of the best running backs in the NFL. He had 65 yards and a touchdown in this one. And then in his absence, Alexander uh, Madison came in and had a massive game with 20 carries for 112 yards. He was really, really good in this one. Adam Thielen had 80 yards and two touchdowns. And I mean, overall, this team uh, just hasn't looked good to start the season so far. The defense is something that uh, makes sense now looking at it, why they're bad. But I just didn't really uh, fully grasp uh, that they were going to be this bad. Their secondary is really, really bad. They have a, a huge hole at the corner position and... They're just a pretty disappointing team so far. Kirk Cousins hasn't looked great. He uh, did have two fumbles in this one, and one of them they didn't recover. And they, like I said, they've just been disappointing. But it was nice to see them compete with the Seahawks, even though I wouldn't even say this. it was them being super great. It was more just the Seahawks struggling, and they proved in the second half that they're the much better team. But, yeah, that has been the episode of the Under Pressure Podcast. I hope you did enjoy. It's been Michael. Peace out.